Good evening and welcome back to another live episode of Red Tinted Glasses here on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel for the final time of the 22-23 season. Um, we are live um, and hopefully we'll put in a better performance than the Dons did at Parkhead at the weekend, Callum, because your Wi-Fi is probably as bad as we defended at times this season. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, hopefully my Wi-Fi puts in a better performance after the last live was a bit of a problem. Uh, it seems to not be any better. It seems to have got considerably worse ever since my uh, brother moved home and decided to soak up all the internet in the house. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't at football. It was at uh, BBC Radio 1, big weekend. Uh, Royal Blood's performance, arguably worse than Aberdeen, however. Yeah, definitely went down like a lead balloon. But um, we're not going to spend too much time um, looking back on the weekend's um, result because you know it was a bit of a nothing game, but we will give our our thoughts on it, and then um, a bit later on in the episode we'll take a look back um, at the season that was. Um, of course, a bit of a roller coaster, I think it's fair to say, but we'll um, review the season in terms of the league, the the cup performances, and of course the managerial performances as well. And then um, share our hopes for, for next season. We'll do maybe a bit more in-depth uh, into that um, over the course of the summer and then take a look at our favourite and, and worst moments for the season as well. I think maybe one of those categories that's fairly straightforward what the, the winner of, of that award is going to be, but no need to drag um, those segments out over a few episodes. But uh, we'll certainly get into it. And there's lots of you joining on the live tonight, so I'm sure you'll be uh, happy to share your thoughts on, on the season that's been. But... Calm, as we said, we'll start with the game at the weekend. Despite being a dead rubber and obviously maybe some players suffering a little bit from the post-match celebrations of Wednesday night's victory over um, St Mirren, a performance like that from an Aberdeen team in any sort of game, in my opinion anyway, is absolutely unacceptable to barely put in any sort of effort, no shots in the game. I mean when we went down to Parkhead under Barry Robson earlier in the season and, and got suitably brushed aside then as well. I, I don't even know if we had a handful of shots then. So once again, for me, another meek collapse against Celtic, which kind of really was a dampener on the end of the season after the, the bounce from Wednesday. Uh, I think so. But I was watching this. I've seen the highlights since. I was watching the scores as they were coming through. And my response was sort of, meh, oh well. Because, you know, the job was done by that point. And having seen uh, certainly the goals back anyway, uh, you, you sort of get that impression from some of the players as well. Uh, an absolute dead rubber. And uh, you, you get the sense that they were definitely feeling the same way as us. I mean, still never nice to go down there and get an absolute doing, um, regardless, as you say. And, you know, it's not even register a shot. Never mind a shot on target, a shot at all. Uh, mm. It doesn't make for good viewing. And I think also it was probably highlighted the drop-off we have when we don't have our best 11 available. Yeah, but in saying that as well, and obviously Miofsky missed out because of, of the injury, but we still went with a, a fairly strong um, starting 11 for that game, which was, you know, maybe took a, a few by surprise. I think it's fair to say that 
well, certainly I was expecting to to see a few changes. Um, Rung maybe give some of those fringe players a, a bit of um, minutes before the end of the season just to maybe show what they, they could do. Um, maybe put in more effort than some on show did. Um, and I think as well, you know, no shots in a game that means nothing is quite concerning because even then we've still struggled to have a go at a Celtic team that finally decided to put in a performance after a, a few weeks of um, chucking points left, right and centre. But hopefully that's um, fit and raring to go. And maybe Kyogo's a bit of a doubt for the upcoming weekend Scottish Cup final because... Boy, do we need them to do us a favour this weekend? Oh, we absolutely do. And one of the main, my main things going into this game was let's just not injure any of their key men and uh, make sure they're fit and healthy. Uh, and also, I said give them a competitive game, which we didn't do. Um, yeah. Make sure they're fit and healthy going to the Scottish Cup final uh, so they could do us a favour. So that, that wasn't the case, but um, it was. It was drab, and you know, you know, they were all buzzing with their celebrations and all that going on. Um, but we we just looked like we were already on the beach. Uh, it, that's sort of the sense I get. And you know, after the shift they have put in over recent weeks, fair enough uh, to a degree. But I do agree. And uh, when you say you know maybe we could have had a bit of a go in a game that doesn't matter, it might have been nice to see what would have happened if we just gone hell for leather, gung ho, four 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 two four, Jimmy Calderwood style, and uh, try and play a bit of football. But nobody could be asked. It would seem. Yeah, and maybe you know a game that I didn't think I would care about. I ended up caring a lot about. But I think for me, the the manner of the way we conceded the goals. Uh, in the game it just always feels that whenever we go to to Parkhead especially Celtic rarely have to work hard to to score against us and I know again you make the point about the players were potentially on the beach but again that that shouldn't be acceptable I know there was a a small allocation um, down there but what what sort of performance does that give to those that that travelled from the northeast down to that game they should have at least you know, being merited with a, a somewhat worthy performance. Um, I think, you know, justifying not going and um, that was one of the comments that was coming in on the, the live as well, saying we seem to have an issue with Celtic over recent seasons. Is it worth attending the matches? And I think it's why a lot of people are maybe certainly away from home um, put off attending the game, not, not to mention the terrible view that you get as well. But as you said as well, Calum, look, the job was done on the Wednesday night. It meant that we could enjoy the game in terms of no pressure on it but I didn't enjoy watching it and it's safe to say I think you definitely had the better of the weekend being a big weekend I did I came back sunburnt after being a Dundee for two days Uh, so that was that was an experience Um, to be fair sorry I just sat outside for 20 minutes I'm sunburnt let alone two days in Dundee I got away with it a little bit. I had to buy... Sh- it was meant to be cold on a Sunday, uh, so I wore jeans, and then after about 10 minutes, I had to go and buy shorts. So that was good. Um, just a complaint, if anyone from the BBC is tuning in. Uh, big weekend in Dundee, and I think I can count... Th- there was three Scottish acts I was aware of. What's that about? That, that's that's my main gripe from the weekend. Oh, well, if that's your biggest gripe from the weekend, then you're, you're doing well. But um, I think, you know, from the weekend as well, I think... Barry Robson's probably learned a lot from that squad and has probably given a lot of food for thought going into this summer in terms of knowing that 
as you alluded to earlier, the fact that, you know, when we don't have our best 11 out, we are a considerably weaker side. Um, and there's been obviously a lot of debate on, on social media the last few days about the fact that we need to get um, strength and depth. And I think that's definitely been highlighted um, based on the weekend. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, it might have, when you mentioned it earlier, it might have been better to give French players a chance in that situation. Um, probably would have given us less of a chance of getting a result, but then you could have maybe seen who's who's ready to, to be, who's who deserves to be part of the squad next season, who's got what it takes uh, uh, in that in that sense. Or if there's players you're looking to sell, put them in the shop window, perhaps. But mm. not the case. Um you know, it was good to see Barry come out afterwards, at least saying, you know, I want us to be better. Um, yeah. We lost 5-0, so I'd hope he would say that. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm just glad that it, it didn't come down to, to that game where, where it would have mattered. Um, that, that's at least, that's basically the only positive we can take. Yeah, uh, especially with Celtic deciding to turn up um, for the first time, really, it felt like um, since the split fixtures announced. But, We've given them that confidence boost going into the, the Scottish Cup. Hopefully, um, in Merness, I saw Billy Dodd saying that um, they're eyeing a special performance this weekend. Hopefully, that's all they're doing um, is eyeing it and don't actually follow through and win it. Um, it'd be quite typical, wouldn't it? But, um, of course, that, that drew to a conclusion, um, our, our league campaign. Um, but, Callum, I think if when we did that live back in January when... Definitely our most watched live ever. Um, we had over 400 people tuning in to us near enough crying um, after our Scottish Cup exit. If you turned around um, and said to me that we would finish third in the league and be you know, looking forward to potentially group stage European football coming up um, you know, from September onwards, I think folk would have said, how much did you have to drink tonight? Absolutely. We would have thought they were mental and yet still would have snapped their hands off uh, as well. The turnaround has been quite exceptional. Um, I, I, I still, to be honest, can't believe this is the same season uh, than that sort of week in January, eight days, whatever, where we shipped uh, 11 goals in the capital and lost to a junior side uh, that are sponsored by a Perry Perry chicken shop. Uh, I'm oh, no, I'm the manager. Uh, actually, owns the Perry Perry Chicken Shop. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's left now. But th that sort of sums up that that week was just. I don't know. I don't know. It's mental to think like the turnaround we've had since then. Um, you know, you would have thought you know there's no way we could have got worse than than that week. However, I would never have imagined us being in this position now, where we could be looking at eight ties in Europe depending on Celtic beating a championship side that didn't qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, it's, I mean, Scottish football really is nuts, isn't it? It is mental. It's bizarre. Um, all round, it's been a pretty spectacular season throughout in Scottish football, but I think summed up no more by the third best team uh, in the country. Uh, lost to a junior side, sacked the manager, and, and and you know now we've ended up as the third best team. It's it's crazy, and um, hopefully we're on this upward trajectory now, and we can leave that sort of shite behind us. Yeah, let's leave that behind in this season, and uh, hopefully next season is full of a lot more positives. Um, it's certainly going to be a lot busier um, in terms of podcasts for us with these Sunday Thursday turnarounds. 
Um, so for those of you that do enjoy these live episodes, there will be probably a lot more of them to come. Maybe some even taking place in some far-flung uh, departure hall. Um, for those of us that are in attendance at games, they'll be sitting there in a dodgy Wi-Fi stream in an airport. But um, look, it's something that we've got to, to look forward to at least. Um, but as I said, there wasn't really too much to review from what we saw at the weekend because it didn't really mean too much. We can be disappointed. We can be aggrieved at the performance that we, we saw. But I think now that we're, we're doing this live on Wednesday, I think most of my anger has subsided and we, we look at the bigger picture. And so we'll, we'll take a look at the, the season as a whole, Callum. And the league campaign, we'll, we'll start there. Of course, it was going so well um, up until the World Cup break. And then we kind of fell off a cliff as such. And sitting 11 points behind Hearts, who had a game in hand against us, who'd have thought? Come the end of the season, we regained that that third spot. So, could you say, in terms of our league performance, or, or certainly standing, it, it was job done, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's in a weird. It's sort of weird that we're sitting third and we're still questioning that, given sort of the, the way it went. I think, to be honest, the um the. The, the straight answer has to be yes in where we've ended up. It hasn't been as plain sailing as we'd have liked. Um, we had a fantastic, we built up a good lead over Hearts um, whilst they were battling Europe. Then we proceeded to chuck it and I think give them an even larger lead. Uh, I can't quite remember. Um, I believe it ended up being about 11 points. And then they sort of imploded, mm. which obviously helped us, but... You still wouldn't have put money on us actually being able to capitalise on, on it, would you? Um, so the, I, th- I think the fact that we did, it has to be, you know, sort of a big, well, I've got to say A+, plus. that's maybe a bit bit strong. But we got what we wanted. I thought if Hearts finished uh, third again this season, more European money, um, then we would probably struggle to bridge that gap uh, quite a lot. Um just with the way that they can improve on and off the park with two seasons of European funds. Whereas now it's going our way and hopefully we can, you know, do exactly what they didn't do, learn from their mistakes and, uh, and build on it. Yeah, exactly. And of course, this was of course the season that included that comical um, mid season trip to Atlanta. Um, I know we've got uh, a few of the uh, American um, subscribers tuning in. Um, I've seen in the comments, Mark and Noel. Noel, congratulations to to your son um, for his victory in his uh, tournament over over the weekend. And I know you managed to to get up to Atlanta to to see the Dons when they came over in Europe. But for those of us certainly watching that um, mid season friendly, it provided a lot of entertainment in terms of the commentary. Um, and I know that. Um, there were certainly rumours that the trip was almost maybe treated as a little bit of a, a stag do and maybe kind of had a little bit of an impact on the, the post the uh, post form after returning. But yeah, I, I think maybe an A-plus is a bit strong, Callum, uh, in terms of league. Um, I, I did agree that um, I saw a post on Facebook that we as a club should never be setting out our stall at the start of the season to, f- to finish third. We should be have a better ambition as a club to be pushing on and to challenge as high as possible. Third should be the, the bare minimum. Um, and there's nothing like doing the bare minimum the hard way as there is the Aberdeen way. Um, 
but ultimately we've finished in a position that we were made to ruin not doing last season and we saw the the finances that Hearts benefited from this season um, for their European exploits and we're going to um, benefit from that this season, hopefully. Um, so I'm tempted to still kind of maybe sit on the like A- minus side of things because it was definitely an improvement, especially, you know, going to Pataudry, um was much more enjoyable than it was last season. Well, for the most part, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, away from home wasn't the the best. Still, so there's still room for improvement there. Well, certainly for the sort of first six months of the season, and um, it certainly improved under Barry. And uh, you know, that's that's also where we should be. We should be turning up, Aberdeen should turning up with their swagger and attitude and. Well, the fuck you attitude basically and ruining everyone's day. That's what that's what it's all about. And uh, hopefully we can carry on more of that. And you sort of get from Barry Robson. He's quite happy uh, to take that on. So more of that would be absolutely excellent. I think obviously the Scottish Cup, um, as we mentioned, that that takes a, a little bit of shine off our season. Uh, and and I suppose perhaps uh, the fashion in which we capitulated. Um, in in the League Cup semi-final as well. Yeah, and I think as well, the way we defended um, at the start of the season as well, we weren't we weren't solid. We were very easy to beat. We were very easy to, to score against. And I, I feared for us a lot of the times every time a, a team came forward. And um, that that's definitely changed since the, the January transfer window as well. So we've seen improvement in... On and off the pitch, um, I suppose we could look at the managers because once again we've got two managers to to review at the the end of the season. Jim Goodwin um, starting the, the the campaign, and you know, he, fair play to Jim. He talks a good game, but he doesn't half fail to to back it up. And if Dungeon United fans didn't believe us, I bet they do now. Oh, I know. And I've noticed he's still doing the sort of seven to nine minute long post-match interviews for the clubs as well. Uh, when you can play, compare that with Barry, where he just tries to get out there as soon as possible, ending with a lovely thank you. Um, I mean, I bought into Jim Goodwin. I'll be honest, I did. Um, when we appointed him, um, I was pretty happy. I thought, you know, he's done very well with St Mirren on their budget. It'll be interesting to see what he can do with ours. And I think it's fair to say it turned out to be too big a task for him. And he tried to do things, particularly play out from the back. That was the biggest problem um, when we just didn't have the players capable of doing so. Um, some of the signings, very, very questionable. And, uh, I mean, remember how much he had to ship out when Stephen Glass, uh, after, from Stephen Glass's signings, were almost in the same position. Again, having to you know, get rid of the dead wood which have only been here for about nine months or uh, whatever um, so it's, just not, it's not a fantastic position, position to be in I think that is something we need to look to improve on as well and hopefully uh, we, we absolutely will but I mean the fact Jim Goodwin's been appointed by Dundee United for two years is, is also mental because even if they get promoted in the first season like yeah that's what they're all looking to aim for but you look at Dundee United in the championship you'd be going well that's what he should be doing anyway it was him yeah. that sort of ended up taking them down in the first place and then if he fails 
will he get another job at any point uh, in Scottish football? Not Certainly not on a decent level. So, bizarre. But I'm very, very happy with the man we've got in charge now. Uh, I, it's sort of a cliche, but he gets it. He buys into things. He, he, he knows what it's like um, being from here. He knows exactly what it's like, what you've got to deal with uh, sometimes. And uh, he's often very, very vocal about it. And I love it. Yeah. Um, and I think Noel kind of sums it up with Jim Goodwin said all the right things, extremely personable and engaging, which he absolutely was. And, you know, people were quite happy to to go back into um, some of our videos when Jim was first appointed and pull up the fact that we were happy with the, the appointment. But um, as Noel says, I think he was in over his head and too stubborn <clears throat> to realise it and ask for help. And that was always the thing that kind of I felt that, Jim's stubbornness was going to shoot himself in the foot. But as um, Johnny Main says, um, give me some of his confidence. You couldn't argue that Jim didn't believe what he was saying. Um, unfortunately, um, he was too quick to throw anybody um, under the bus at the first opportunity as well. I had a lot of questions around his man management style. Um, and ultimately that that stubbornness and probably his own ego really didn't help as well as probably what Noel says about the fact that he never asked for for any help and just had the kind of confidence on his own ability. But again, come to pick up the point that you made, the fact that he brought in players um, that didn't necessarily suit the style um, that we had in terms of, you look at Anthony Stewart as a key example, you know, bringing him in as a, a key defender, initially making him club captain and asking him to to play out from the back when we as fans were told um, by Wickham fans that that is not his style. Um, you know, he almost set Anthony Stewart up to fail in his time at Aberdeen and Jim Goodwin, you could argue, set himself up for a failure and ultimately that's what I think his time here will be looked at as a failure. Um, I think I saw Kaiser put in the comments that you could argue he's probably one of uh, our worst managers in our history. And certainly that that week at the, the start of this year is a contender for backing up that claim. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of on Anthony Stewart, um, I probably don't expect him to be here next season. Uh, uh, and But the fact, you know, you're asking someone... To come up here, he's never lived sort of out with the London area his whole life. So adjusting uh, when you're in the complete opposite end of the country uh, is already quite a big thing. And then all of a sudden, you're giving him the captain's arm, man. I think I seem to remember him himself said, I didn't expect that, which is never a good sign, really, <laughs> is it? Um, so that added pressure. And then, you know, playing a style that he doesn't suit when there's clearly going to be lots of a backlog of footage that would uh, already back that up. You don't need to see it uh, first person with your own eyes. Uh, so it was just, it was baffling. And it sort of summed, I feel like that just certainly perfectly summed up Jim Goodwin's tenure, just with that one player. Yeah. And um, as Piss Drunk says, just shows you never choose a manager by looks. <laughs> it's a, a very good point. And I'd actually forgotten about this as well. Don't forget the fact that when Jim Goodwin came in, we switched dugouts so that we could be next to the, the linesman on the main stand side as well. And he also changed where we warmed up pre-match as well. He had the team warming up in front of the, the red shed instead of at the, the RDS side, which we've reverted to on both instances. And not saying the two are two are connected, but just maybe didn't make a big difference as 
we thought it would, especially with the the dugout um, mm. uh, side of things. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how how that pans out. Um, I think it's fair to say that Jim Goodwin does get a big um, fat F for his time at Aberdeen. Yeah. Or do you F- go for what? What are you going to say? Fuck off. That's what I was going to say. Uh, I think I don't think there needs to really be much added to that. And you know what? Even talking about it all is just making me a little bit miserable again. <laughs> I thought you were going to say F for fucking atrocious. That's what I thought you were going to say. Um, although, could you give him a U? Is that, I think that's what I got for my higher maths, which meant unmarkable. Was that bad? Don't you work in finance now? That's a concern. <laughs> Accounts. I've got a calculator. Come on. All right, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I suppose we could uh, give him a U for unforgivable, unacceptable. Um, I, I can't think of anything else. Unemployable, <laughs> unless you're Dundee United. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, his departure then sparked a lot of talk about who would come in and replace him. We had guys from Japan linked. We had, obviously, um, the usual Scottish suspects lined up as well the media backing their usual favourites as well. But we stayed in-house um, on this one with Barry Robson initially getting his second opportunity to manage the club on an interim basis before being made permanent manager um, just a few weeks ago. And, I mean, we probably had our doubts on here when Barry took over, thinking ah, it's only, he'll be only here for a few weeks till we get a more recognisable name. But there's been a couple of disappointing performances mainly at Parkhead, but you can't argue with the job that Barry's done since coming in. No, absolutely not. I mean, I remember myself specifically saying, um, you know, I don't want him at, at some point. I'm you know, happy for him to be an interim charge for as long as it needed to find the right man. But then he made basically made it impossible to say he's not the right man just by consistently winning, improving our, de- our defence tenfold, uh, we actually started taking clean sheets. We started winning away from home. It was it was um, it was a real shock to the system. But he he basically made it, you know, he got that interview and basically gave no one else a chance by just taking it and running with it. And all credit has to go for him. I say there is certain things uh, that throughout his tenure so far that uh, probably could be worked on. Uh, I I absolutely agree in, in in that. However, at the same time, he is still young and he will improve. And if he improves with us on what he's already done, delighted. Yeah, I think you know. Obviously, you've got to maybe apportion some credit to to Steve Agnew, and I think, but obviously that is on Barry as well because it was Barry's decision to you know book a flight to Aberdeen for Steve before Steve had even accepted coming here. So he knew who he wanted in as his right-hand man and he made that that decision and and pushed the boat out to, to get him up here. And I, I think the contrast in, in styles between um, Robson and Goodwin is, is hugely apparent. As you said, you know, it's very short, sharp to the point from Barry. There's no seven to nine minute long interviews um, after the game. It gives the answers, you know, I'd maybe say we as fans expect to hear, you know, after a defeat and full of praise for the fans, full of um, praise for the players in, in victory and not quick to, you know, single out players for their mistakes. And, you know, I think in the, was it the game against Hibs? You know, 
he took responsibility for the performance and maybe not making the, the changes. There was certainly one of the games in the post um, the post split that I was impressed um, by the way Barry Robson took responsibility. But yeah, the way he came about, came into the job and turned things around, there was a lot of talk about whether or not Jim Goodwin had, had lost the dressing room. But I, I think Barry is certainly a player you don't want to not put in the level of effort that was getting shown um, in the, the latter stages of Goodwin's tenure. Oh, aye. he will not fuck about. They sort of get that sense. He doesn't mess about with the media uh, at all. He's not interested in, um, you know, charming them up, uh, keeping them on side. He'll say what he's thinking. He says most of the time what we're thinking. And it seems to sort of be an extension of that as well as also actually being a good manager. He's got a lot of experience, not at you know, first-team level, but he's been uh, in the coaching game for a good few years now and um, certainly seems up to the task. And uh, Piss Drunks mentioned something, uh, something yeah. you never really hear about Robson, but I've done with the last two managers. Wait until he can build his own squad. Plenty more to come yeah. from, Robins, from Robson. Sometimes, no, that, that does scare me a little bit because it's been going so well with what it is. And the last time we said, wait till they get their own squad with Glass and Goodwin, they got their own squad and they were fucking awful. Uh, so let's just hope it's third time lucky, third time's a charm. And I, you know what, I fully believe in that to be the case. But I, I think it's a good point that, that is made in, the, in that, that comment because we'll have players that are coming in with a desire and want to play for the manager um, I think we've seen that um, certainly um, since since January as well. And there's a, a real togetherness um, amongst the squad. The interview that, that came out on Red TV um, with Leighton Clarkson, sadly, didn't allude to him saying that he was definitely signing. Um, but, you know, he mentioned that there's no bad eggs in the, in the changing room. The squad um, are like a band of brothers, I think was the word he used. Um, but uh, there was a, a point from Noel as well about, you know, uh, he thought it would be a lazy appointment. And I think that's a, a fair take that I'm sure a lot of Aberdeen fans had as well on, on the appointment of Barry Robson. It's certainly an opinion I probably shared uh, along with Noel as well, that um, it probably was kind of like the easy option we were taking uh, in terms of appointing Barry. And certainly the, the likes of Dave Cormack, we've given a lot of criticism to in terms of the previous two appointments, especially the Stephen Glass one about the, the whole recruitment process and whether or not it really was um, thorough and, and the due diligence was there. Um, but, you know, he was called the outstanding candidate and results speak for themselves. And he's, you know, backed up and, you know, he, he does. He does deserve... The job, no bullshit, no waffle, as Johnny says. Simple, straight talking, and the results have come on the pitch. You know, we've got to got to be happy with the job done. Yeah, can't argue with it. And he just also, he's just a bit of a laugh. It seems like I know I'm saying how he doesn't really play up to the media and try and be this media darling. Uh, his, his interviews are hilarious. Um, you can tell he just doesn't want to be there, wants to get there as quick as possible. And sometimes then he starts saying stuff, a bit like my good self. I don't really know where he's going with it, but he just tries to just storm through it, no problem, and just get out of there as soon as possible. Uh, I love him. He seems a, seems a good lad, an extension. Well, someone mentioned uh, Kaiser said binds with Sordi for 10 years, uh, for 10 years now. Yep. And, uh, you know, not far, not far from here, from Inveruri. He knows what it's about. 
and uh, and he knows what's expected by the fans as well, um, which is and I suppose Alan Burrows also sort of alluded to um, as well, which is misconstrued sometimes by the media. I'm glad you can uh, appreciate the fact that you waffle on sometimes with no idea of where you're going. Um, it takes a brave man to admit that. Um, but yeah, I think as well with the, the, the comment on the fact that he's been here for um, so long, is the fact that as well he spent a lot of time in the youth academy and that's obviously a um, football philosophy, to use a, a buzzword um, that I know gets branded around a, a lot and certainly a key strategy that the board are keen to use in terms of developing players. So Barry's got a lot of experience in um, time spent with the development squad, the under-18 squad, so should have a good understanding of the players coming through and knowing when to bleed them into the first team. And we could maybe see more of that um, next season. Obviously, um, on the last slide, we were discussing the likes of Jack Milne. Blair McKenzie signed a new deal for, for next season. Mason Hancock was also out on loan as well. So there's lots of youngsters on the fringes of the first team. Ryan Duncan's obviously um, been getting more minutes as the season came to a close. Let's see how much more of them feature um, next season. But what would you you give Barry Robson? I think you, you mentioned A-plus for the league. I think it's hard to argue around a, a, an A-plus for, for Barry. No, there's nothing else really um, he, he could have done to prove and um, you know maybe we beat Rangers at Ibrox, and he improved our away form, and um, in his in the game at St Mirren with the Ross Gray red card, you probably thought we would have um, won that and gone on to finish third even more comfortably, and um, had had that not been the case, can't knock it, absolutely can't knock it. He's been brilliant since he's come in, um, and long may it continue. A plus from me for amazing plus. Good. Um, one point I wanted to pick up on um, before we go into the Cups um, was from Kaiser. He made it earlier in the show. Um, was the fact that our average crowd this season was over 17,000, which is up 3,000 from last season. The average crowd was at, at 14,000. So we've had a lot more um, in through the gate this season. And I think we mentioned it towards the back end of the, the last episode with the fact that you know, there's a, a better connection with this squad to the, the paying public and we can be so much more um, feared in terms of when the fans really are with. But of course, that figures as well. We've got to remember there were a few games last season that were still um, affected by restricted crowds um, as well. So slightly skewed on the averages, but regardless... Um, going in the right direction and of course um, Alan Burrows is staying on top of that season ticket counter um, and good to see that coming up ahead of moving day for those that are maybe wanting to move their current season ticket we're sitting with over 8,000 season tickets just now um, will this be the season that we finally reach the 10,000 season ticket mark? You'd think so uh, possibly people also maybe letting well, European football be the deciding factor as yeah. well because people will absolutely want to snap up season tickets, give them uh, a, a chance to get tickets for the European games. Uh, certainly moving in the right direction. I think crowds will probably only get better. The atmosphere only going to get better next season with um, more people being allowed in the red shed, basically, uh, which is fantastic news. 
generate that atmosphere uh, and more bodies to the door, more revenue as well for the club um, to keep on improving and pushing in the right direction and getting towards that top 100 club mark. Yeah, whatever the fuck that means, I still don't understand it. Um, right, moving on to cup competitions. Um, we'll keep this one brief. Scottish Cup. Um, if Jim Goodman's not getting a U, our Scottish Cup performance is definitely getting a U. Agreed? Couldn't get myself off mute. Yeah, shite. Absolute shite. Cool. We'll move on. We don't need to delve back into that any further. Hopefully um, next season we get a, a better run at that. Um, League Cup. Um, semi-final defeat to Rangers after extra time. Um, Johnny put in a comment earlier to go back to um, some of the comments that came in earlier. Um, flatter to deceive in the League Cup as we didn't meet a challenge until the semi-final. Probably fair. Um, and then... You know, performances don't win cups, as he said on the podcast um, when he came on to, to speak about that defeat. You know, we played well, but unfortunately we um, we didn't win um, anything from playing well and we didn't get to the final. So uh, how do you rate our League Cup um, campaign? Um, well, we got to Hamden in that competition, so that was a bonus. But that's not the end goal. I was pretty happy, um, you know, until the capitulation against Rangers, I thought, um, you know, it was still a good opportunity because they've not they haven't been fantastic throughout all season to get to ourselves a final, give us a chance of winning some silverware. And um, I, I suppose an improvement at, at least. Uh, and you know, we didn't concede a goal throughout the whole group stages, guys. Don't forget that. And yeah. um, it was better. I would probably agree with things I can't find. It was a C. It was a C. B, if we got to the final and lost. A, if we'd won it. Yeah, and as Mark said, of course, um, let's not forget our captains selling us out of the cup. I mean, as I've said countless times, he could have at least really hurt Sakala on that to make it worthwhile and not have him at least continue. But yeah, it was one of them that it's all well and good getting to a semi-final with the, the run that we had but and then playing well. But if you don't win the semi-final, it, it means nothing. The day out was was okay, I guess. Um, transfers then, how would you assess uh, our transfers um, as a whole? We've had some key signings, um, albeit most of them being on loan uh, outside of Duke and but we've also had a couple of horrors that haven't really worked out as well as we'd hoped. Mm. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because... I think if you look at the impact of our key signings, that probably boosts the grade up a little bit. But not to forget um, the absolute stinkers we had. You know, Anthony Stewart didn't work out. Jaden Richardson was an expensive outlay and has barely featured since Byron Robson's come in. Uh, Shaden Morris, likewise. Carl Roberts has been on the uh, medical table the whole time. Um, and in overall intents and purposes seems to be off really uh, a lot of talk about him going to Chesterfield uh, perhaps which I think are still National League but Correct. I'm not yeah. certain um, and the fact we spent money on that him as well I think I would go see again uh, probably cause just for all the stinkers essentially and if there, there wasn't a, uh, it was, there was one or two less stinkers in there then it would maybe be uh, I'd be maybe heading towards a need given the likes of Duke, Ramadani, uh, Miofsky have all been fantastic. So, um, yeah, I think I see lots of room for improvement. 
Yeah, I was kind of leaning more to around about the B mark, but probably B minus because, again, as things like Camp Fine says, a real mixed bag, very good players come in mixed with some of the worst I've ever seen. Um, and I think had we not seen the additions of Matty Pollock, Angus McDonald in the January um, transfer window, I'd have probably been kind of agreeing with the C. Um, but those additions in January really kind of helped propel us to arguably where we ended up finishing the league because without them, our defence would have been, I hate to think what that would have been like for the, the back end of the, the season. And um, yeah, obviously Graham Shinney as well coming coming back then as well you've got to, to put him down in, in there as well. So, mm. yeah, some definite definite bomb scares, some definite players we're probably not going to see again um, next season, but um, definitely some diamonds that were found in the rough um, uh, as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think the Angus McDonald one in particular, you know, he's probably gone slightly a bit more under the radar than, than Matty Pollock has. Um, but the fact he was just sort of at Swindon, just kind of chilling. Uh, they didn't think all that much of him. And I don't know how it sort of came about that uh, we were going to take him, to be honest, uh, because I think he ended up getting released by Swindon so we could take I him for free. Yeah, he told the Swindon fans to fuck off and yeah. got dropped. And then he comes up here. Yeah, and performed excellently, as I say, but maybe a bit understated given how, how well Pollock's done. Yeah. And of course, McDonald then being tied up for another two years, an absolute bonus. And you know, just for that photo uh, alone, with the sunglasses on after the St Mirren game, uh, you know, he'll do for me, Bonnie lad. And he is a Bonnie lad. He is a very Bonnie lad. There's a lot of Bonnie lads in this team. Um, right, we'll look back at our um, favourite moments from the season and also our worst moments of the season. Um, we'll start with the worst moment because, again, I think it's fairly straightforward. Um with with that one. Um worst moment of the season for you, Colin. Wasn't even there, but Darvel. Yeah. I mean, also I, it is a toss up between that and then the five 0 against Hearts because I had gone to five. Uh, had gone to the game against Hearts. Um and I think it might, might have taken the cake just because I was there if I had go had to go back to Aberdeen instead of Kirkcaldy. However, not the case. So Darvel, I mean it's a, our worst result really yeah. in yeah, uh, it's definitely definitely there. But I was thinking about this driving home from work today um, and thinking, well, it's going to be a fairly short segment if we both um, say that. But um, I was going to say more the fact that Jim Goodwin got the next two games after that was probably the worst moment. The fact that he was even allowed back in Aberdeen after losing that game, let alone seeing us um overseeing that 5-0 game and then the decision to even give him the 6-0 game, that statement pre-Hibs, the whole week is probably the worst moment um, of the season. Um, but yeah, started off with, with Darville, of course. So uh, hopefully none of them cup upsets to, to look forward to next season. But, I know, um, people mention them more in the comments. But, um, but oddly though, it, for, for, from, our, from our own point of view, that was probably the best moment of the season because it was one of our most popular episodes in terms of lives. Uh, I think we had over 300 folks subscribed to the channel in that 24 hour period. And it's been part of why our podcast is growing um, a lot since January. So in a weird sort of way, we've got to thank Jim Goodwin for being a total knob and chucking us out the cup to Darville. 
Yeah, for that and only that, I'll be eternally grateful for Jim Gibbon uh, from a selfish point of view. I suppose we probably wouldn't have ended up, you know, if we'd got through that, um, you know, we might have ended up sticking with him and then probably still wouldn't have finished third, I suppose. There's, there's, there's upsides, there's upsides, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I think I like um, Lee Seymour saying, surely seeing Jim Goodwin walking across the Easter Road pitch and leaving the job the way he did. Um, no, I think that's funny, to be honest. It's uh, the way that, that all ended. Uh, sad for him in a, in a way, but the, the manner in which he left was um, certainly funny. Um, yeah. Right, on to more happier notes then. Um, Favourite moment of the season, Callum? It's a tough one. It's a very, very tough one. And I think Duke at Tannadice would be up there for a lot of people. And it certainly would be if I was there. However, I wasn't. But I still got to run through the streets of Glasgow uh, after being on a sub crawl in a particularly staunch Rangers area uh, yelling <laughs> Duke. So that was pretty good. Um, I would say probably for me, just because it was mental, uh, and, you know, it, it, it sort of helped us kick on and think, oh, fucking hell, we could do this. Um, scales go against Rangers specifically. Um, just because, you know, how mental it was when it came about, the fact it was flying over Alan McGregor's head and it felt like, oh, shit, we could really, really go on and finish third here. And um, I think that's got to be up there. Yeah, um, I think that that's fair. I I thought you were maybe going to go down the route of Duke um, County away because of mm-hmm. the the day out and how, how mental that was. And Duke at Tannadice, you're right, is, is up there. Uh, I didn't really have you putting down that game as your favourite um, moment of the season. I think for me, in that game specifically, it'd probably been the Boyan goal because I just didn't see how Rangers were scoring twice. I know, obviously, we. We know what happened in uh, around Christmas time, but I felt a lot more confident um, on that occasion um, when when Boyan scored. But I think for me, the, the favourite moment for the season, there's a lot of little tidbits in there. Um, Ramadani's goal against Hibs um, in front of the Red Shed was was definitely up there um, f- for me. Um, but I, I think as someone that enjoys the football so much from you know being with our friends to the, the emotional side of it as well probably that full-time whistle um against the Mirren knowing that we'd secured third and secured European football and just seeing the atmosphere uh, inside the stadium that day uh, mm-hmm. as well because uh, as you mentioned on the episode last time out as well the fact that the south stand were fairly getting going in terms of their um backing of the um the team that day as well and you know the stadium having over 16 and a half thousand um Aberdeen fans that day as well so for me that probably that that submitting game um was um the favorite part of the season for me and just yeah. how ecstatic everybody was come come full time and seeing you know I, I remember as a as a kid going to Pataudry and the game that always sticks out for me was when we beat Rangers I'm sure it was 2-0 to secure European football under Jimmy Calderwood. And I'll always remember that and the fact that my dad was like grabbing my jacket so I didn't end up on the pitch that day. Uh, and just, again, you know, that almost that um, that Wednesday night brought back kind of that emotions and, and memories of what, what it was like seeing the Dons qualify for Europe and, and what it's going to mean for, for a lot of fans next season as well. So that Severin and Lovell game. 
I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember I wasn't actually there, but I watched uh, a compilation, basically the highlights, just the goals from that game with, uh, I think it was a cover of Heroes by David Bowie over it. Yeah. Um, many a time, many a time. So, uh, that yeah, I think it's weird that there's so many up moments, like good moments that we could pick from. Cause from a season back, Yeah, we'd, we were so shit for a lot of them off the season. Um, mm-hmm. Another one on a more personal note for us, Glenn, Duke, Duke. saying he'd seen the videos. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, and um, probably... Um, well, even after the game on Wednesday with the, the work that Lynn did in letting us meet um, Leighton and Duke and the fact that Leighton also watches the, the videos, well, certainly his family does and passes on the comments to him. And I know he's he's watched a few of them as well. And <laughs> you guys are taller in real, real life. But yeah, no, that's been pretty cool as well. The fact that we know there's folk at the, the club that watch um, maybe not the best thing when we, we lose so badly. Um, but yeah, no, look, there's been a lot of favourite moments for us in terms of this show as well, this season as well, of course, all of you that, that tune into these episodes that we're doing live uh, on the YouTube channel, whether you like our videos, whether you comment on the videos after they're pre-recorded or if you're commenting along with us during the lives, if you've ever shared an episode and um, recommended an episode to a friend and helped spread the word. Um, as Calum keeps saying, we're just two idiots that chat nonsense about football, mm-hmm. um, mainly Aberdeen, and like we would be down the pub. Uh, and the fact that we've, you know, grown this into over a thousand of you listen every week and similar numbers watch is quite mind blowing. Um, so, um, yeah, on a personal note as well, probably seeing this this show grow as well has been been up there, and um, that's not, you know, lost on us that um, we owe a lot to those of you that tune in, uh, a big thanks as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact, you know, there's 40-odd people in here right now choosing to spend uh, their Wednesday night listening to us chat shite. Um, it's quite quite something. So thank you very much to everyone. And it's also led to, like, some pretty cool stuff uh, for us as well. So we wouldn't be here without you, like, for example, getting the interview with Joey Harper. Um, Christian Ramirez. Christian Ramirez, Joey Harper in particular, my dad's absolute hero, managed to get and managed to go and get him to sign a top for, for my dad to give him for his Christmas. Uh, just absolutely lovely. And we wouldn't we probably we wouldn't be able to do it without any of you guys. And people say that all the time, but I do appreciate it, regardless of how weird I am when you meet me in person. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not the more sociable of the two of us, but look, we enjoy the feedback, whether it's negative, whether it's positive, because look, everybody's got their own opinion in terms of football in general, and not everybody's going to agree with what we say. Um, we fully accept that. Um, and as I said, we just got bored in lockdown and wanted to chat about football when we couldn't chat to anybody else and mm-hmm. have made that into something ridiculous that loads of people enjoy. So as we said, yeah, just just thanks for your continued support. Um, and hopefully we can continue to, to strengthen the show next season. But, Callum, the club also needs to strengthen next season. Oh, Glenn, you're getting fucking good at this, mate. I know, right? Sign me up, Sky Sports. Um, I would be better if I actually got the banner on properly. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I need to hide this one. Right. Um, where, do we need to, where do we need to strengthen next season? Right. Oh, God. Um, I think... 
a lot of places. We're obviously waiting on uh, the confirmation of European football, which I think will play a big part in not only attraction we have, but also the budget we're available uh, and how much we'll be able to improve. Still not announced Nicky Devlin. Uh, that's odd, isn't it? And uh, Wayne Clarkson. Keep as many of the loanies as possible would be where I'd start. You know, I actually did wonder if tonight would be the night that the club did a 1903 announcement because they knew we were going to be live earlier I'd than usual. I'd been fuming. Oh, I really hope they did it just for the shithousery part of, of that. But no, I agree. Um, strength and depth is definitely key um, for next season. You know, there's been a lot of talk around, um, not, not in terms of us wanting to sign him, but I, I I saw Dylan Levitt's name getting mentioned. Um, of course, you retweeted that that poll. I think it was Connor Douglas that did that about signing him. And a lot of us saying, well, we want Leighton Clarkson back first and foremost. But I do agree on that sense. We do need strength and depth um, mm. across most areas. Um, it feels weird with the amount of wingers we've still got on our books. But I would like to see an out-and-out winger brought into, um, into the squad and... Um, even with the signing of Nicky Devlin, am I really happy with Jaden Richardson as being the backup to that next season? Mm, based on what we've seen this season, probably not. Um, definitely feel that maybe need another left back, as what Mark Munn says as well, because of course, again, that depends on the future of, of Liam Scales. Jack McKenzie's performance is certainly towards the back end of last se- this season, maybe left a lot to be desired, mm. a bit of improvement needed there. But I think as well, another centre forward, as, as Mark says, um, and two in the in the midfield. Um, I'm wondering, Mark, if you're also including as part of that two centre midfields um, somebody on top of Graham Shinney returning, um, if he does. Mm. Um, we've spoken about this as well before. Would you like to see us go for Big Van Veen at well, as Michael Taylor says? See, breaking the, breaking the um, scoring record. Feels like a bit of a no-brainer um, compared to Marley Watkins, but two different types of players. I would absolutely love Kevin Van Veen. Um, I know he's not of that model of, you know, taking any young player, developing them for a few years, selling them on for a profit. I know it would cost us a fair bit of money. I just think, in addition to two can be obviously when we're going to be competing on four fronts. Let's not forget. Um, there should be more games in the Scottish Cup, you'd like to think. Ideally, one more game in the League Cup than we had this season and at least eight games in Europe, potentially. Um, it's a lot more football. And I think you see how you know how much we miss either one of Duka Miofsky when one of them isn't there. Uh, God forbid we were ever in the situation that they were both missing. So another striker... And Van Veen, I know it's a bit of a well, in Dutch cut. It's made apparently according to things I can't find, and uh, you know it's a it has been a little bit of a purple patch. But I think it is clear to see he can do it at this level. Imagine if he had served the service that you know, and we could potentially provide as well. And um, if not him, I still think an, another striker is absolutely necessary. I think a first choice left back or left wing back, depending on how we're going to be playing, uh, is essential because Johnny Hayes is old. And uh, Jack McKenzie has not looked particularly up for it. Um, I don't think he was good against Celtic. Obviously, didn't see the full game. Um, 
<clears> before <throat> there is Kieran and Gwen and, and Mason Hancock potentially returning as well. So I don't know yeah. what's going with them. But I think at least a left back, a striker. But I would probably agree two centre mids if even if we keep Clarkson and and Shinny. Uh, perhaps one in a more offensive role, and then one as as the more defensive midfielder and centre backs as well. Because uh, I don't think we're keeping Pollock, which is pretty sad, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think well, Mark also suggests Terry Small from St Mirren at left back, but um, I feel he's a bit of a, a bomb scare, is it not? Is it Scott Tanzer, um, who was in the team before him, I would be looking at him. But in terms of St Mirren defenders, I'd also be looking at um, Ryan Strain. I know obviously mm-hmm. we're we're signing um, Nicky Devlin in, uh, at right back, but um, if Ryan Strain could switch sides and play left back, I'd happily take him um, for that. And then Lee Seymour picking up on a rumour that was doing the rounds as well about Everton potentially preparing a 10 million bid for Duke, because um, they've um, certainly had um, scouts up watching him. Um, I mean, if the starting bid is 10 million, I'd be happy to enter discussions and we can start a bidding war from there onwards but yeah there's definitely a lot of work being done in um in terms of left back kaiser picks up on mason hancock who of course played in the league cup group stages um at the start of this season um and i agree i thought he was good of course Mm -hmm. just working his way back from quite a serious injury so he's almost got to start all over again in terms of his aberdeen career and prove his worth but Again, going back to that point I made earlier about Barry Robson in terms of his time spent at Aberdeen as a whole, Barry will be well um, vest in terms of the knowledge on on Mason Hancock and know how well a a player he is and how he could potentially fit into his plans. Absolutely. I'm just excited about transfers. I just just love it all. I love it all. And I really wanted us to just get on the way by announcing Nicky Devlin and then hopefully after... Uh, the, after we find out our European fate, things can start to to roll in and, and pull together. But of course, we are granted. Uh, we'll be granted a little bit more time, providing Celtic win win the cup before the start of our our season, which is more than welcome. And should hopefully, as much as I'm eager and excited to see uh, signings, mean there's less duds because uh, we won't be as rushed. Yeah. No. Uh, absolutely. And I think. You know, of course, the club announcing the the preseason friendlies that have been um, released so far. I'm sure um, after the the weekend, um, Scottish Cup will maybe be in a position to announce more because, of course, that will affect when our season does officially start in terms of European football. Um, but there is, uh, in terms of domestic, um, we've got local trips to um, Fraserburgh. Uh, and Turriff United um, will be the first trip up to the Bellsley in over 13 years for the Dons and um, a wee away day down to London for any London-based Dons tuning in. It's a, a trip to Charlton on the week before the, the league season starts um, and the Dons also heading off to Portugal for a week of pre-season training. Mm-hmm. Um, one player in terms of centre-back, I was just before we move on to the, the next part, um, a few few you are um, commenting on just now is... Um, Michael Rose um, released from Coventry, um, a boy who dandy and you know in an interview with a press and journal announced that he wouldn't be opposed to a return to the Dons um, at some point in his career, but probably a bit too soon, maybe like Jack Grimmer as well, where he probably still fancies a, a few more years down in England before making the move back up to, to Scotland. But I'm sure maybe one where potentially exploring 
You would think so. Yeah, you'd actually think so. Would uh, fit into the homegrown quota, uh, which we'll need to meet uh, for Europe as well. And certainly, it's done very well for himself uh, uh, after after leaving Pitodri. Um, I, yeah, I do agree in that perhaps he will maybe fancy himself to stay down in England for another couple of years, boost that bank balance because teams are obviously going to be able to offer more money than us. However, the draw for him in particular would be European football at Pataudry for your boyhood club. Um, you know, after after things didn't quite work out in the first place, he's probably got a point to prove as well, perhaps a bit Maybe. of a chip on his shoulder and um, that could potentially work in our favour, oddly. Yeah. Potentially. Um, and of course, he'll be coming to a new and improved Pataudry um, as today. Um, it was announced that there will be three sides worth of LED advertising placed around Pataudry, um, as well as two electronic scoreboards um, to display um, the, the score. And I think one of them is going to be used for the score and one of them is going to be used for the, the match clock um, uh, as well. So um, I, I think it's one of the final deals that Rob Wicks did and it was something that he was telling me all about at the, the Gothenburg dinner, but just don't put it out yet until it's official. And um, so, you know, stuck to my word on that for for, for Robin. And um, I think there's still a few more uh, exciting plans um, to be announced on the back of that as well. So uh, looking forward to seeing what um, comes out in terms of the uh, improvements off the pitch that, that the club have planned between um, now and the, the start of next season as well. So good bit of commercial business um, that, that we've managed to get over the line. Absolutely. I mean, you didn't even tell me. So Glenn can be trusted with information. I mean, football club, if you're listening, um, yeah. not just, just a thing. <laughs> just so you know, um, yeah, it you know it you know brings pathology a bit more into the modern modern day football, I suppose, and uh, make for a better uh, match uh, experience. And it'll be great when you know up on the scoreboard is Aberdeen three Rangers nil. So that'll make for a good photo too. Yeah. Perfect. Look forward to that. Right. To round off the episode then, um, hopes for next season. As I said, we'll probably expand on this part more over the summer when we um, come back after a, a short break to kind of look at transfer activity and, and look towards the, the, the fixtures and, and what else we've got to look forward to over the summer. But um, just now, Callum, what would be your, your hopes going into, into next season? A trophy. Um, Scottish Cup or League Cup don't care I would love to see us win the Scottish Cup in my lifetime uh, well no, not necessarily in my lifetime I feel like that's quite plausible but um, in whilst my dad's still here he's getting all about he's 68 years old now I'd love to see us win the Scottish Cup with him uh, around um, but if it was to be the League Cup again I would be delighted I'd be able to probably soak it in a little bit more because I think when I, I was like 14 and I won the League Cup I just thought fucking hell it's going to be like this all the time now and I didn't quite appreciate it for what it was. Um, so I'd like to see us take some silverware back to AB24. And as much as I'd like to see us, you know, win the league, um, I feel like it's quite unrealistic at this point. But sealing European group stage football again would be excellent. And uh, hopefully at least closing the gap and, you know, making things a bit more competitive between us and, and the big two, as well as, uh, you know, sort of standing on the heads of hearts and, Hibs and, and climbing even further away from them. That would be perfect. Yeah, I think I agree. I think third has to be the minimum um, for 
um, the league next season, but agreed, hopefully we can close the gap to the, the top two a little bit. Obviously, we're in a bit better position than we were last summer in terms of um, potential finances coming in, of course. That'll be a bit more confirmed um, after the, the weekend as well. I'm surprised that when you said you want to see us win a trophy, you didn't go straight for the Europa League, knowing how optimistic you, you tend to be um, on these things. But I agree, I'd love to um, see us win the Scotch Cup as well. That's definitely the one that, that I want to see win in, in my lifetime as well. As you say, and you know, you just look at some of the, the, the pictures that, that come out of teams. I know playoffs is a bit different, but seeing team, um, you know, people there like father and son and all their friends enjoying that moment. I was kind of the same as you back in when we won the League Cup. It was a moment maybe I didn't really appreciate um, at the time. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a trophy would be um, absolutely ideal. And, you know, actually, if we could... Um, Give me this. Give me this. Sorry. Sorry. Give me this. Europa League finals in Dublin next year. Give me this. Yeah, the Aviva. Although I didn't actually rate the Aviva as a stadium when I was there um, last summer, but that was probably just because Scotland were absolutely shite. But happily go to Dublin for another party. Um, got a good record in being really drunk in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even if we could actually progress out of the groups um, in Europe, or if we get to the groups, a couple of wins on the, the European stage, um, just not embarrass ourselves like um, Rangers do in, in, when they get to the group stages. That would be a, an achievement in itself for, for us. Um, and I guess continue to, to strengthen on the pitch as well mm-hmm. um, in terms of recruitment. Um, find a few more of those Dukes and Miofskis out there and um, hopefully retain some of those players that we had um, at the back end of last season to give us that good nucleus of a squad um, so we're not almost kind of starting from from scratch again mm-hmm. and building that that team spirit. But look, there's lots to be positive about going into mm-hmm. next season for, for a change, lots to be excited about, lots of trips to plan um, as well. And we'll be here to, to cover it all. Absolutely. Um, I'm very, very excited already for the new season. I'm missing football already. Um, so we will we will be absolutely be covering things. Anything that happens, uh, we'll be desperate to talk about it, I'm sure. So, But thank you again for anyone who's actually willing to listen. Uh, uh, we appreciate it a lot. I know we said that earlier, but I just thought I'd really hammer it home. And thanks for everyone that left some nice comments as well. I know Johnny and uh, Noel, uh, you know, as sort of um, absent fans, I guess you could say, um, saying how much they appreciate it. Thank you very much for anyone who's leaving kind words. It's much appreciated, you know. Build my ego a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and uh, especially Johnny for um, his help in, in stepping in on the podcast um, this season and knowing what it's like to be on the other side of the mic mm-hmm. um, as well. So do appreciate all the you that have tuned in and um, also helped out um, the, the podcast in terms of coming on and giving your um, 20p worth um, as well. It's really appreciated. But um, yeah, I, I guess from us... Um, as I said, thank you very much for tuning in to another live episode tonight on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. If you are watching live tonight and haven't left a like on the video, please um, do so um, as well. It really helps us um, grow the channel um, continuously. Um, and if you're listening on audio as well, remember to hit that subscribe button and get the notifications on. So for when the episodes do go out over the summer, um, you are um, well informed because 
most likely we'll be doing live episodes to try and react to um, maybe signing news or mm-hmm. any fixture announcements that, that come out as well. Maybe try and do a, a wee preview show of the um, you know European draws as well. I know that'll be after the league season starts, but we'll, we'll be still with you over the summer, maybe a bit sporadically, and hopefully some of the players uh, respond to our DMs and don't leave us um, unread and we'll have a couple of interviews uh, over the summer as well. But yeah, um, thank you all for your support this season and we'll see you over the summer. If not, we'll see you next season. So come on, you Reds!